uh, I started last month. I didn't get through, actually. So uh, if you haven't heard the first two uh, portions of this, this is uh, four things to know about faith. And I didn't get through, and I just had a, a nudge from the Lord that I need to finish this. I usually finish what I start. Um, but October 20th was a Wednesday night. October 27th was a Wednesday night. And uh, lesson one, part one, part two, on four things to know about your faith. Tonight will be part three, and hopefully I'll get done tonight. If not, there's always another time. So I, I want to I encourage you in faith. A lot of people um, talk about faith in the abstract, that, well, I've got my faith, and they talk about what their faith will do. But really, their faith doesn't do a lot for them. Uh, to me, I'm, I'm just the kind of person that if you tell me I have something, I want to know how it works, and I want to know how to work it, and then if I'm not doing it right, I want you to show me how to do it right. So that's just me. And um, so this is not faith in the abstract. This is faith in the absolute practical. I don't know how to get more practical with faith in what I'm going to share. You know, this will be, again, the third time. Let me say this about faith. Uh, faith will enable us to navigate the, the challenging times that the world is going through. I have no doubt that we are in the beginning stages of, of the time just prior to Jesus' return. How many hear what I'm saying? Uh, people have been saying that all my life, and I'm 63 years old, but, you know, we've never had things happen the way they're happening now in my personal lifetime. The whole world has changed, and uh, the atmosphere of the world has changed, and there's a, a tightening up. There's a tyrannist attitude worldwide. There are those that want to control every single thing you see, everything you think, and ev everything you do, everywhere you go, and who you do it with. Is that true? So if you don't know that's true, uh, either you're extremely deceived, blind, deaf, and dumb, or, or purposely not looking around. I'm not sure, but I'm telling you things are changing. And, but the good news here is this. Now, you know, when I think about what's coming, I have absolute confidence that God's going to make a way for us. So I'm not, even though I know it may be more challenging than things in my past have been, and I've had, like everybody, some fairly challenging times. Here's what you need to know about life. Life is fluid. Life has its ups and has its downs. But you see, God is consistent. He's the same yesterday. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Aren't you glad? And see, because of that, he's like a rock. A rock, when the Bible talks about a rock, it's, 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 it's a substance that's immovable. The wind doesn't move it. The weather elements don't affect it. The sun doesn't affect it. Heat Coal doesn't, it's just there. And if it's a big rock, you can get under its shadow and keep your bald head from the sun. So, you know, God is a rock. So when you, you see that, in, particularly in the Psalms and the Old Testament, you understand. But, uh, you know, he's so stable that regard, when you're in unstable times, it's just really good to be connected to him. And I want to show with these lessons how to, how to really connect with the Lord in faith. Uh, to start this tonight, I want to say this. You know, you got your, you got your five senses hearing, feeling, uh, tasting, touching, smelling. And, and our five senses connect us to the three-dimensional world we live in. And we all use our five uh, senses. Uh, most of us, some of us don't have all of our five senses working. If you got COVID, your smell didn't work for a while. You know, so, uh, you know, uh, some people have a problem with their hearing, some with their seeing. But, you know, you're a blessed person if you got all five working. And, and what they're doing is, is they're, they're receiving from stimuli all around you, right? And so the five senses, they're very helpful. Without the five senses, we would die rapidly. We wouldn't be able to survive 
um, un unless we had some exterior help in a big way. So five senses help us in one way. In, the, in, in another way, they're not necessarily a good guide when it comes to going through challenging times and keeping your perspective right. So, so keep the five senses where they belong. And, and then some people call faith a sixth sense. Now that's kind of a misnomer because, you know, the five senses are connected to the flesh. But this six people call the faith a sixth sense. It has nothing to do with uh, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and smelling. Nothing to do with it. It only has to do with the spiritual realm. And it only has to do with what God has promised in his word. And it doesn't trust any of the senses to make it work. So independent of hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching is faith. You get it? So, so, so we can live one of two ways. You know, you can live kind of both. You don't want to ignore your senses because your senses might be telling you as cars coming, you need to stay stopped at that red light because somebody's, or that green light because somebody's running a red one, right? Your sight told you that. Maybe your, maybe your hearing showed you that. You heard it. So, so you don't want to discount them completely at the same time. We don't want to navigate the future with senses alone. That's where faith comes in. So, so I'm talking about how to navigate faith. And so as you go into a challenging time, and again, life has ups and downs, and with the challenges of life for me, uh, it's worked to exercise faith. I've not been perfect at it. I've always said, as long as you can get one, I can keep one nostril above water and suck some air. I'm going to live some way, somehow. So by God's grace, I've been able to, you know, keep moving. I've not done faith perfectly, but since I was 18, I've pretty much walked by faith. Again, not perfectly, uh, but through the, through the uh, nooks and crannies of life and the challenges and uh, sometimes the stumbles of life, I've, I've made it. And I want to show you just some things the Lord shared with me. Listen to the scriptures um, as they encourage us uh, about our faith uh, and us overcoming life circumstances with it. First John 5, 4. This is contemporary English version, CEV for short. Every child of God can defeat the world. Now, when it talks about the world, it's talking about the, 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 uh, the uh, patterns of the world that affect you in a negative way here. Uh, for every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. So see, that's a, that's a, that's a, a, a it's a force that works. Um, um, 1 John 5, 4, here's another translation, Weymouth's New Testament, for every child of God overcomes the world, the victorious principle which has overcome the world's our faith. So it's a principle. Uh, the Living Bible, Ephesians 6, 16, in every battle you will need faith as your shield. So it shows faith as a shield here in this verse um, to stop the fiery arrows armed at you by Satan speaking of 1st century warfare. They would uh, put a burning uh, a substance that would burn on the tip of arrows and shoot them at the enemy. And they would have a shield that could keep those arrows, those flaming arrows from hitting them. And that's what our faith does to us. Uh, first, uh, New King James versions of 1st Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Hold on, um, lay hold of it on eternal life to which you're also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I, I go back to that word fight. Everybody say fight. That Greek word for fight is where we get our English word agony. 
So see, that tells you a lot. That means, that means there's utter resistance and, and, and fighting in New Testament era. Some of these guys that fought, uh, it meant they fought to the death. Uh, somebody would come up dead. It's the kind of fight that if you come out of that fight, <laughs> you're alive, but the other guy's probably dead. So, so you're fighting with everything within you. And that's a, that's a person who, they're not looking around. They're not concentrating on their surroundings. They're, they're looking at their enemy saying, I'm gonna whip your tail. I'm gonna live, got it? So, so it's, it's a concentration and, and, it's, and it's on purpose. So living by faith is on purpose. So he says, fight. Or you could say, agonize the good agony. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by what we believe, not by what we can see. Now, see, there, there's, see, see, there's the contrast. We live by what we believe. There's the sixth sense faith here, not by what we can see, or we don't live just by the senses. See it? Uh, the message paraphrase, same verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It's what we trust in but don't yet see. That keeps us going. So that gives you another element of faith. Faith is for what you can't see or feel or taste or touch or smell. But God promised you it's yours. And it helps you hang in there until it manifests. That verse will tell you that. Well, look at that. So again, new living of 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We live by believing, not by seeing. Or we live by, by faith, not by the senses, you could say it. That way, and um, so there are uh, four points here. I've covered uh, two in the last two lessons, uh, four things to remember about your faith life. And before I get there, let me say this. Um, uh, faith is not a constant thing in your life. That is, that is once you get it, it can, it can kind of uh, ebb and flow. And, and there's not any uh, two days that your faith is exactly the same. So uh, let me say it this way. Just because you had faith Last year, uh, last month, last week doesn't mean you have it today. So, so you can't live on yesterday's accumulation of faith. You got to keep it moving in your life. Now, let me, a story I have about that. This, this really shocked me. I was in my 20s. I was probably, when this happened, I heard this. I was, let me see, I was probably 25, 26 years of age. I was actually in ministry. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the the large church I was on staff at, and Kenneth Hagin would have meetings, and I lived in Tulsa, and he lived, he was there, and I would frequent his meetings, and he's a mentor of mine spiritually. I attended his school and stayed in Tulsa for almost eight years, and um, uh, anyway, he uh, was teaching one day, uh, and I was, as I was attending a seminar, and this one really got me. It really shocked me, and he said this. He was talking about a particular um, uh, ordeal he had with believing God for healing for his physical body. And uh, Kenneth Hagin, for those that don't know, in 1934, he died in 2003 at age 86. But in 1934, as a 16-year-old, he got healed by God of an incurable um, uh, congenital heart uh, disease and a blood uh, disorder. Uh, both of them would have pr proved to take, in his, take his life, but God healed him at age 16 um, because he learned how to, how to exercise faith and believe God. And, but, but heart symptoms came back, and here's what he said, and this is what shocked me so much because he said it. And to me, he kind of understood what he was talking about and understood how to walk by faith because he's got, you know, he'd been living that way and had to be at school all about it. You know, he had a Bible school, Raymond, and it was all about faith. So he said this, he said, 
uh, he was talking about a struggle he was going through physically. Here's what he said. He said, he said, if this struggle had it happened a month before it did, he said, I would have been ill-prepared and may not have made it. Now, I'm going to tell you, when he said that, I went, I swallowed three times. Because <laughs> it put my feet on the ground. And he said he was busy the prior month. He wasn't in the word as much as he usually was. He was unduly and unusually busy. And he said, had the ad attack come a month before, he's not sure he, he would have made it. Now, I, now I, that shocked me because I put a lot of caliber in what he said because this man ministered healing to lots of people and had a big ministry worldwide, yada, yada, and God had done a lot through him. But for him to say that, I mean, I, to me, I was just a little peonist, you know, I'm just you know, compared to him, it's like, Whoa, if he said his faith is like, what, what about mine? Where am I? So, so it really sobered me up and showed me that every day I need to do something to keep my faith built up. So my question to you is, what are you doing every single day to, to keep your faith boosted to a level sufficient to overcome the negative circumstances of life? If you're not feeding your de- faith, then doubt is growing. And now because of the information age we're in and because there's such stimuli, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, your inbox is constantly dinging you and text messages are coming in and, and there's videos to look at and, every, and every, most people have their face buried in social media. And now because there's so much stimuli, mentally, uh, unless you do something on purpose, you're not going to develop faith. It's going to go backwards, Right? So, so you, got, you got to do something to build it up. So again, faith is fluid. So my encouragement, I try, I do every day, I, I read something about faith, something about trusting God, something about God's, God's steadfastness, et cetera, et cetera, something that keeps me there and keeps it built. And there's certain things I do, and I'll talk about that in a minute. So the four things to remember about your faith life, you got to keep it built up. If you don't remember anything else or not, keep your faith built up. And just because you had it today doesn't mean you're going to have it tomorrow. you got to keep doing the same stuff, right? And that's where people mess up. So, you know, your enemy, uh, you know, Wiley E. Coyote is always chasing the roadrunner, and uh, the devil's like, Wiley Coyotes, he's always chasing, looking, looking around, looking for a snag in your life to trip you up, right? So that's why you got to be one step ahead of him, like the road runner was one step ahead of the coyote, uh, right? Y'all okay? I just like to have fun with this. Anyway, uh, the first one I've mentioned is faith is a heart issue. Everybody say faith is of the heart. And so again, Mark 11, verse 23, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says would be done, he, has, he will have what he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. And when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. So he mentioned here, uh, whoever speaks and doesn't doubt in his heart. So faith is of the heart. The heart is a biblical term for the spirit of man, the, the innermost core of our nature, where the Holy Spirit is, where we have relationship with God. So I, uh, and so I covered that, uh, that first night. Um, we, we need to make sure that our heart is prepared for faith to work. Uh, faith works in an environment of love. We talked about that in detail. Uh, open-ended relationships 
where we just had a skirmish with somebody and it's open-ended and, you know, they're upset, you're upset. You got to deal with that stuff. You got to settle it in your own heart. You can't make another person do what they're supposed to, but I can always adjust my attitude and you can too, right? So you got to make sure you forgive. Unforgiveness will stymie and hinder faith. We talked about that. And then our view of God, if you're raised in a broken home, you didn't have a father. And because God is a father, when you go to pray to God, your father... If your father abandoned you, didn't care about you, didn't love you, you know, didn't give a hoot about you, you know, subconsciously you're going to, you know, put that on God and you got to deal with that stuff. So we talked about that in, in fair detail and then we talked about unrepentant sin. It's not possible to have faith in God and sin in your life. Uh, unrepentant known sin where you know you're in rebellion, rebellion against the known will of God. I'm not talking about the flesh tripping you up and you made a mistake and you say, oh God, how stupid am I? I let my flesh mess with me, forgive. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about you're doing something and you know it's wrong and you, you haven't even repented about it. That will hinder faith, right? So we talked about that first night. Second uh, night, the 27th of October, I talked about, um, uh, and here's the statement I made for point two. Faith is unreasonable to the natural mind. And we dealt with the word doubt, which if you look at it from the New Testament Greek language, uh, the idea of doubt is there's all kinds of scenarios, and I had you put your hands out that night. There's all kinds of scenarios of how things could work out. I mean, you got A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J. Ten, right there. You got ten ways it could work out. And, and when you're in doubt, you're wondering, well, is it going to be like this? Or is it going to be like this? Or is it going to be this one? Or is it going to be this one? Or is it going to be this one? Or this one? Or this one? Which one's it going to be? What do I do? A swirling thoughts. You're, you're never firm. That'll hinder faith. Faith is an educated step on God's word. You, you trust what God said. You're not looking at anything else but what God said. Right? So we talked about that in, in fair detail. Um, James, the practical half-brother of Jesus, uh, said this, but let him ask in faith and have no doubts. He who has doubts is like the surge of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed into spray. A person of that sort must not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a one is a man or a woman of two minds, undecided in every step is safe. So, so again, faith is an educated step on God's word. You're not looking around, looking at all the different ways things can happen. God said this, and this is what I believe. That's faith, okay? And we talked about that in detail. Tonight is number three and four, and we'll see if we can get there. If not, we'll have next time for number four. Uh, faith is always present tense. Everybody say it. Faith, faith. is always oh. present tense. And then I made this statement along with, I hope it's future and then I said this, if it's not now, it's not faith. If I'm looking to the future, so if I say, well, God is going to do X, Y, Z for me, I'm in hope, not faith. Now, most people I've talked to all my life are in hope because they say I'm hoping and praying. I mean, you hear it all the time. Well, I'm hoping and praying. Well, if you're hoping and praying, it may not happen at all. So, so hope, you know, hope is like a dream. Hope is a vision Hope is a blueprint. Sometimes when I talk to people, they have no hope. The first thing I got to do is say, look, things could change. It could be different. It doesn't have to work out that way in your life, though it did with your aunt, your uncle, your cousin, your nephew, and that person you don't even know. You're an individual, and, and it doesn't have to be that way for you. I'm trying to instill hope. 
And hope, again, comes from the scriptures. It comes from the word. The word can paint a blueprint of what you want to happen in your life, but that's all it is. It's a dream. It's nebulous. It doesn't have teeth in it. You can't, you can't grab it. Uh, you know, a dream. Hope is like a dream. You know, you ever been involved? I had some really, really crazy dreams recently. And I can, when I wake up, it's like they evaporate. That was a great dream. I mean, I've had some dreams where I'm preaching. I had one night, I was casting demons out of people all night. Come out, come out. I said, wow, that's like, I woke up like, where's all the devils? <laughs> where's all the people that got set free? It was all, it was all smoke. That's it, nothing, no substance to it. So again, hope is future. Faith is present tense. See, faith. So, so what, I want you to get this, and, and let me go before we go anywhere else. I got two scriptures I want to look at. The first one is Mark, is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Then we're going to look at Mark 11.24, and I got plenty of time. Good. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, New King James. Uh, now, everybody say now. I, I like the King James, and then New King James takes the these, thou's, thus's, and all that mess out. It's a good translation, solid, pretty solid. Uh, now faith is. And back yesteryear when I was young, uh, people would say, if it's not now, it's not faith. So if I'm, if I'm looking to the future to receive something, I'm in hope and not faith. 1 Corinthians 13 says, now abides uh, faith, hope, and love, right? So, so, so hope is important. Love is important. Faith is important. They all have their place. But if you, if you replace faith with hope, you may not receive from the Lord. So I've got to make sure. The number one I have, hope means I'm not ready to go blow my brains out. I've got, I've got, I know that something could be different. A hopeless person is a depressed person, right? There's a lot of depressed people today. Depressed people have no hope that anything can get better. Is it true? That's why first thing I, excuse me, first thing I want is hope. That you know what? Things can be different in my life. And that's kind of kept me going, really, if I think about it all my life. Now, faith, now faith is. So faith is always right now. If it's not now, it's not faith, it's, it's hope. And I've had, I have illustrations that I got to move on, though. Now, faith is the substance. Everybody say substance. We'll come back to that word. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So it, it uses two words to describe faith. Um, uh, substance and evidence. So let's look at the word substance first because it'll help you understand what faith does in your life and how it can be a big boost when, you, when things are, are not looking good and when the senses are saying, you're going to fail. This ain't going to work. This is not going to be good for you. So here it is. Now faith is the substance. That word uh, substance is the Greek word hypostasis. Hupo means under. And then in the Greek, stasis means a standing. So literally, it means a standing under, and put the definition up on the screen. A standing under is what substance means, hypostasis, that which stands or is set under something. It holds something up is the idea. You get the idea? A foundation. You know, we, we uh, put a foundation in the ground for the big walls for the building we're erecting, and we put rebar there. There's, there's a lot of concrete. They go way down in the ground. They had to go a, a few feet, you know, and, and then they had to be inspected. But see, that foundation means that we can build something. It'll hold, it'll hold the structure. And see, your faith, your faith, your faith is a foundation. It holds 
what you're trusting God to do, okay? It's a, it, 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 it's a foundation used in the technical sense of a title deed. Well, look at that. Standing under the claim to the property to support its validity. So um, Susan and I had an aunt who, Susan had an aunt who, who uh, died some years ago and uh, gave the fa- several family members, including us, a parcel of land. And, and we have the deed to that property. That's owned by us and some of other family members, but, but it's there. How do I know that that land exists? Because we have the, the title deed that gives the, court, the GPS coordinates of where that land is and shows exact dimensions. We can actually go out there and see the stobs in the ground if we wanted to. It's a few hours away of exactly where that property is. But we have the title deed. What does that title deed say? That belongs to us, right? And, uh, and, and it stands, it's legal in a court of law. So again, this title deed means that land exists. Now that's what the scripture says faith does with the promises of God. When God's promised you healing, when God's promised to meet your financial needs, when God's promised to bring you through a grueling circumstance on the other side victoriously, faith says, faith says the victory is mine when it looks like it's not. Faith says the healing is mine when it looks like it's not coming. And faith says I have the financial need met when it looks like it's not going to happen. Faith is the deed, the title deed that said that's mine. My senses can't detect it, but my faith says it's there. You get it? Everything exists in two realms. First the spiritual, then the natural. We've been blessed, Ephesians 1, 3, and this is not in the notes, with every spiritual blessing in, in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus, that means in the spirit realm. Uh, to quote uh, Hebrews eleven three, let me quote, it's not in the notes, by faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which appear. So, so what is that verse saying? Everything we see, I mean, what did God do? Number of times go to Genesis 1, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. Lights appeared, uh, the atmosphere appeared. Uh, the the, the uh, dirt appeared, uh, plants appeared, animals appeared. God said, and God said, and God said. God spoke the worlds into existence with words. And where did the worlds come from? Uh, worlds came, uh, the worlds, the three-dimensional world we live in came from the invisible spiritual world. Yes or no? You can't see God because he's in the spiritual world. Now, we understand spiritual concepts a lot better now in the 21st century because, because of Wi-Fi and because of... Um, of quantum physics, and uh, because now we understand that invisible things can can interact with known visible things and make things happen. We understand we use it every day when we use our when we use our cell phones or iPads. You know, we're we're working with invisible things, quantum physics that you can't see, and you can listen to videos and get a text message and email. All that happens with invisible things. So we have an easier time actually now understanding that there is an invisible world that manipulates the known world, the three-dimensional. Yes or no? Okay, so, so faith is in that invisible world. And faith pulls on what's there to bring it here, much like uh, if you're connected to a Wi-Fi, your device is pulling things from the quantum physics world into your device so you can talk to people, right? 
Our faith does the same thing with God in heaven, in the spiritual world, in the kingdom of God. It connects with him and pulls. And as long as your faith is on, it's pulling. And it's pulling what can't be seen, felt, heard, tasted, uh, touched, etc. It's pulling it in as long as you don't let it go. Much like, um, you know, we have two thermostats in here. I control them from my phone with quantum physics. And uh, they're calling. Right now they're calling for 72 degrees. It's hot in here. I'm joking. I'm still out. <laughs> That's what the thermostat said. If it went to 73, it'd turn on. Right? And it'd stay a while because that thermostat's calling. My faith is constantly calling on God and his word and his promises. And my faith is saying, that's what I believe. I believe it's mine right now. See, faith is a substance. Get it? So faith is also an evidence. Everybody say evidence. Evidence by definition, something that furnishes or tends to furnish proof. That which supports the existence of something. So evidence supports that something actually exists. So now watch. So, so if I'm in faith, my faith is a title deed, deed to what I can't detect with my physical senses. Uh, the healing's not there because I still ache. I have the pain. The money's not in the bank yet. I can't write, I better not write a rubber check or put my, try to use my debit card because it's not going to work, right? But my faith says it's mine. And sooner or later, what I believe, what I believe in what God says and the natural world will all match. It'll manifest if my faith constantly calls, right? Right? So faith means being sure of the things we hope for. Let me get this. Now, faith is the substance of things we hope for, the evidence of things not being seen. So, um, uh, so faith is an evidence. That means it shows that something actually exists. So, um, uh, so I'm, walking, I'm walking at the beach, and I see footprints ahead of me, big old footprints. Looks like a size 14, what does that tell you, is ahead of me. A big boy, a girl. If it's a size 15 to 16, maybe a basketball player, right? Um, uh, so I'm in, I'm in the little boat, and, and, and I look out beyond me in the boat in the ocean, and there's a, or maybe I'm in a lake. Maybe a lake's better illustration. And, and, and here's a wake and there's some foam, and man, the water's disturbed. What does that wake tell me? No, all it tells me is there's a boat up there. If there's a big wake and it's long, that's what I'm saying. That tells me there's a boat, right? Right? See, it's the evidence that a boat's there. Or, or you see a white streak in the sky. Well, what does that tell you? The plane just went by. So there's a plane up there somewhere. So, so, so faith, see, faith is an evidence so faith is the evidence, even though I can't feel it, that what God promised is mine. It takes, in fact, I like to say it this way, faith takes the place of what I don't presently physically have, but God promised me until it shows up. You get it? See, it's the evidence, it's the title deed. It's the substance. You get it? So if I'm walking by faith, and I'm in pain, and I ask God based on the sacrifice of Christ 
to heal my body because himself took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses and healing is in the atonement of Christ. I've taught about that in depth and, and I'm still aching. Then my faith says, according to God's word, I believe I receive healing and my faith says I have the title deed to what I can't feel yet. And so we're building a building and I'm believing God for finances to come in and I've asked the Lord that, uh, that when we get down to the bottom, bottom line and the building's built, uh, all the parking lots are in place, everything's there and we're ready to move in. The books will balance and all the bills are paid. Now my faith is saying that every day, Lord. We have every penny we need to make that building happen. Now I believe I receive that. What is that? My faith is the title deed. It's the evidence. Even though I might not see it, might not feel it at times, that's what I'm looking at. My faith, right? You get it? Faith, faith in the promises of God. What? Come on. <laughs> so let me go further. My notes have just locked up on me here. Here we go. Uh, so amplified New Testament. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed, see, of things we hope for, being proof of that which we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact. What, uh, what is not revealed to the senses. Here is um, New Century Version, which I love. Faith means being sure. Listen to this. Faith means being sure of the things we hope for. And faith means knowing that something is real, even if you don't see it. So you can put it this way if you're trusting God to heal your body. Faith means knowing that according to God's word, I'm healed, even though if I, don't, I don't feel like I am at the moment. Or if I'm believing God for energy to do something, my strength is gone. And I say, God, quicken me. I need the strength to do X, Y, Z. And I've asked him for it. Then my faith says, you know what, God? You promised. And Lord, my, my faith says it exists and it's real. So I act even though I don't feel the strength. You get it? Or I'm in a circumstance that looks like it's going to whip my tail. Yeah, I am not going to make it through this one. I've been through everything else, but this time in this place, it ain't working. If you've ever been there, if you've not been there, I'm telling you, that's a tough place to be, and you got to keep your head on straight because there's something going to knock it off every, every moment when you're in that situation. And I've been there many times. I, I could just tell you stories, gracious me. But see, faith... Faith keeps you steady. It keeps you going. It keeps you knowing that even though it doesn't look like it's working out because God promised and you ask, you believe that he's answered the prayer. You believe according to his word it's done and you're waiting for it. You're just waiting for the manifestation. But to you, you got it. So you plan like you, like you got it. You get that? You talk like you got it. You pray like you got it. See, if you're still praying, oh God, please do. No, you ain't got it. You don't have it yet. See, once you're standing in faith, you got to change the way you're praying. And say, oh God, please do. You say, oh God, thank you. You turn, you turn the asking into a praise, a thanks, a worship. You get it? It just works that way. And then, and see, if you're standing in faith, then, then when the negative thoughts come immediately, I go, uh-uh, uh-uh. God said, if I ask, he would do it. I believe he's done it. Faith is now. I believe it's my now, even though I can't see it. So um, since I said all that, I want to go to Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Listen, watch this. 
Um, so let me, let me, before I go there, let me say this. If you say, I wonder when. Well, I'm not sure. Or, well, I wonder how long this is going to take. You're concentrating on the wrong thing. You get what I just said? Did you hear what I, do I need to say that again? If you're thinking in your concentration, well, I wonder when this is going to happen. I wonder when that healing is going to manifest. I wonder when that finances, when the finances are going to come. I wonder when this circumstance is going to quit. See, see, if you're, you're concentrating on that, you're looking at the wrong thing. You may not be in faith at all. You're in mental assent. John Wesley said there is a, there is a, a twin to faith. It looks like faith, but it's not faith. Hijacker of faith is mental assent. Mentally, it sent, yes, God says that, but I wonder when, I wonder if. So I wonder when, I'm not sure how or how long will it be when you have those kinds of thoughts. Those are signs that a person is in hope and not faith. So, you know, have I ever been there? Yes, and I've had to say, God, I'm not in faith. I'm, I'm still in hope because I'm looking. Anytime you're looking to the future for what God promised you, you're in hope, not faith. Faith is always now. You get it? I know I'm belaboring the point. See, faith is like a confident expectation. When I'm trusting God, it's like, I know that's mine. And and see, there's always a time between the time that you exercise faith and then the answer to your faith is made manifest. The answer to the prayer is manifest. And there's a time, it's an in-between time. And what we do in the in-between time determines sometimes how long it takes and if it even happens. Because we can have our faith hijacked by our feelings and our senses and look at the wrong thing and not even receive. And that's what happens, sadly, to a lot of people. But it doesn't happen to happen to us. So let's go to Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Then I've got a bunch of translations, so let me go through these because they show a principle. And, and you know, for me in my life, and you know, over a period of 45 years, I mean, it's not exaggerating to say thousands of times now, 45 years, that's, uh, you know, 365, 365 times 45. That's a lot of days, isn't it? I, I've looked at this verse uh, just about every day. I, I'm not kidding. For the last, I know, three decades, at least, I know every day. So I looked at all these different, because it helps me, and this helps me understand where my faith is. And what I need to do. Let me say, uh, um, 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 uh, acting in faith is, is so contrary to what you normally would do. Uh, it's not intuitive. It's counterintuitive. How many understand what I just said? Living by faith is counterintuitive. You know, if you've if you got a pilot and he's instrument rated and he's in a storm and he can't see the ground... Uh, and the wind is blowing, and it's, he's in a storm, guess what? He's got to rely solely on those instruments, and he can't go by what it feels like. He can get into vertigo and crash the plane if he's not looking at the instruments, okay? So, 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 so walking by faith is, is a pilot that can't see out the windows, can't see the ground, and he's only looking at his instruments, and everything else is... T- see, that's counterintuitive flying, right? 
You want to fly with that kind of pilot, don't you? Do you? Yes, you do. You don't want to fly with a pilot that gets in a snag, can't see the ground, but he's not instrument rated, right? So, so faith does that. See, faith, things look ridiculous. It's counterintuitive. It doesn't feel like you got it, doesn't look like it's working, doesn't seem like anything's different, but you believe you receive. And you stand your ground, period. Do you get that? So let's look at this. Mark eleven twenty four. New King James says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, now here's the key, believe you receive them. and You will have them. Now the word them in the original language was not there. It was added by the translator for clarity. So you can literally read it this way. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive and you will have. Do you get that? See, believe you receive. There's something you've got to do before it manifests. Watch this. Uh, Amplify. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe. It clarifies. Trust and be confident that it's granted to you. See, right now, and you'll get it. New century version. So I tell you to believe that you have received the things you ask for in prayer, and God will give them to you. God's word translation, that's the name of the translation, God's word. That's why I tell you to have faith that you have, see, I like this, have already received whatever you pray for and it'll be yours. See, the idea, nothing about that's future. It, it, it takes the future and brings it to now. It takes the hope and brings it now and acts like what, what God promised is not in the future, but it acts like you have it now even though you can't see it. Right? Um, English Standard Version, I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, that's past tense, isn't it? If you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Complete Jewish Bible, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, trust that you are receiving, that's present tense, trust that you are receiving it, it will be yours. Bible in basic English, lastly, for this uh, reason I say to you, whatever you make request for in prayer, now like this is very clear, have faith that it has been given to you and you will have it. Is that good? Now see, that, that helps me. So, so I've taken that, see that's counterintuitive principle. It's counterintuitive to act like you have something that you can't see or feel. Yes? So, uh, let me just clue you in if you hadn't figured it out yet. Uh, you're going to have to exercise a lot of faith with your physical body. Did you figure that out yet? And the older you get, the more you're going to have to do it. <laughs> yes or no? A lot of your body, when you're young, it's like, well, you don't even think about your joints. You don't think about your back and your toe and your heel and, and your knee and your hip and, you know, your tendons and your muscles. And yeah. You get a little older, you get a little age on you, and when you wake up and say, hey, can we talk? Your heel's saying, can we talk? Uh, and et cetera. So you're going to exercise faith 
uh, probably for your physical body, maybe more than anything else in your own personal life. And then maybe beyond that, uh, finances are a big deal. All of us have to deal with finances because children cost a lot of money if you haven't figured that out yet. And the older they get, the more expensive their toys is. And it just works that way. And, and then school's expensive. Get to college, Jesus, help us now. That's just the way it is. You know, so you got to exercise faith uh, for children and then faith for circum- in circumstances. Circumstances are constantly changing. So you can say, um, yippity-doo-dah, yippity-day. My, oh, my, what a wonderful day today. And then tomorrow's like, what happened to that? It's all going. So you always got to exercise faith. So let me show you how this works real practically. Um, first time I really remember really being zealous with faith. So I'd been married for less than a year. This is 1980. Susan and I got married September of 1979. See, that dates me for the younger people. Um, but, you know, uh, anyway, so we moved to 1,200 miles from home. Uh, uh, June the 30th, 1980, we arrived in a new city of about 500,000 people at the time, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we got an apartment, and I had some savings to pay for school to go to, to, go to uh, the second Bible school that we attended. And I was believing God for a job, and, um, and in a, prior to that, I'd gone to college. I was going to be an electronics engineer, and then I quit that and, and attended Bible school in my hometown and paid for that, and then uh, had saved some money up for us to pay for the uh, tuition for Bible school this upcoming year. We had that in the bank. So we got an apartment, and um, so I needed a job. And uh, in my hometown, I had worked for this grocery store, and I've always worked really hard, so uh, they wanted me to be a store manager, and I was just teen, uh, late teens. They said, you know, let's just put you into management training. And before that, I worked at the meat department, and, and the meat market manager said, you know, you could, you could be a meat cutter. I, mean, I could train you to be a meat cutter. You could run a meat department, make good money. Then the guy store manager said, well, being the, um, beyond that, you can just be a store manager. And, you know, if you work hard and you, you vo- keep your volumes up and such, you get quarterly bonuses, and that's where you make your money. So you can make some substantial money if you want to for your family. I said, well, I appreciate that, but God called me yada yada. So anyway, they gave me a, a letter of reference when I moved and there was a, a grocery chain, and I, I'm going to share it in fair detail here, show you how it worked. There was a gro- grocery chain. Uh, it's on the other side of the Mississippi River, basically called Safeway. At the time, it was the largest grocery store chain in the world. The, the problem with that grocery store chain that eventually bankrupted the chain is they had a union in it. And uh, these people made really good money. In fact, if you factor in inflation, uh, the people at the top of their game who were just stocking shelves made, made what today would be really probably $30 an hour. That ain't bad going to college. Would you agree? So that's a lucrative job you want if you're in college and, man, you're looking for pennies on the ground. Like, give me some money. You know what I'm saying? So we moved to Tulsa, and I knew that I could get a job. I asked God for a job at that Safeway Departments, uh, uh, retail grocery store, and they had 23 stores in Tulsa at the time, all over, because I looked them up and found them. And at the time, so this is a different day. This is 40 years ago or 41 years ago. Um, and um, so I put, a, I put my coat on, uh, had hair, so I combed my hair real good, put some hairspray on it, and uh, put my tie on, put some cologne on, and here I go. And I frequented all 23 stores every single week. If you don't have a job, your job is to find one. So I spent 40 hours looking for one. 
and believe in God for one. I'm not making this up. So I asked the Lord for a job at that grocery chain. And I said, Father, now, you know, based on all the criteria in here, I've got the experience and they ought to be able to let me in the door there and pay me. And I said, I want top wage. So I went to all 23 of those stores and I made it my job every week to go to every one of them. And I, I, I made copies of this uh, letter of reference I had from where I came from and I would give it to the store manager and I said, I'm your man. I can do a good job. I will be the best employee that you have at this store. Now, I'm not bragging on me. I'm just believing because that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be conscientious. I'm going to be fair. I'm going to be on time. And I said, I can do you a good job. And they looked at me and looked at that letter. You know what most of them said? Sir, uh, you know, you probably would be good for me. But you know what? You're going to have to start out as a bag boy. And bag boys at the time made $2.25 an hour. And I looked at them. I mean, all 23 stores, most all of them said that. Uh, I said, thank you. That's all I said. Thank you. And I walked out the door. I didn't tuck my tail between my legs. I just walked out and said, well, you know what? God promised me a job. So in between stores, I'd say, Father, I just want to thank you for my job at Safeway. Thank you so much. I prayed and I believed I received. See, faith is a title deed. Faith is substance. It's the proof that you have what you can't see, right? I mean, so every week, all 23 stores and all of them said, and this is the first time I really did this with any substance to it. And I went all, every week to all 23 and they all said the same thing every week. We don't have anything for you. You got to start as a bag boy. You got to start at minimum wage. And I said, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Every week. When I got home, uh, something in my mind said, you are one big fat fool you need to call your dad. He's got some money. He can give you money and you can go home because here you are. You'll get stranded up here, spend all of your money that you were going to spend on school because you can't get a job. And we went week after week after week after week after week after week after week without a job and Susan didn't have one either. So, you know, we're spending our savings. You get the idea? See, see faith is what you don't have, but God promised. And so when I would get home from my job hunt every week, I mean, you don't know the, the thoughts would assail me uh, just as fast as you can think, this ain't going to work. You're stupid. This ain't going to work. Who do you think you are? You're full of hot air. You know, you're, you're proud. You're, this is not going to work. You need to call your daddy. He'll send you some money. You need to go back home. And I, you know what I didn't do? I never said a word about what I thought. I never told Susan, well, I don't know if we can do this. I don't know why in the world we ever came up here. I ain't got a job yet, and it's been two months. What am I going to I never said it. What I said was, Father, you promised me that job I believe I received, and I want to thank you for my job. Uh, a grocery, I, and so I did, have a, I, I, did, I did get into doubt one time, and this, I saw this grocery store ad for another store, McCartney's, which is an upper-scale store, probably more upper, upper scale than what today here would be Lowe's food. And I went there, I filled out an application and it was kind of a ritzy kind of store in a ritzy part of town. And they called me and they, entered, they said, come in for an interview, we'd like to talk to you about a job. When I saw what they paid, they paid uh, less than two thirds of what I could make at Safeway. And, uh, and I took a test, they even, they, they gave me all kinds of tests, yada, yada, I passed them. And I got a call and the store manager said, we'd like for you to come to work Monday morning. When he said that, my faith said, that's not what I asked for. 
And I called the guy back, turned the job down, and then the devil really jumped on both shoulders. He must have some, some fellows working with him because I had about three of them talking into each ear. You are a big fool. You could have a job Monday morning, but you turned it down because you said you're going to get one at Safeway. And all those grocery store managers said, you ain't getting it. And you know what I had to do? Turn all of that off and turn my mouth on with what I believed. And I said, Lord, you promise whatever you desire when you pray. And I said it out loud, believe you receive and you will have. So Father, it looks and feels like I'm not going to get this job at this nice grocery store that can pay me really good money. But I believe that I receive because you promised that if I ask in faith, you said if I believe I receive, I would have it. So I want you to know I believe I receive and I just thank you. And so I had a, um, a cypress wall, vertical, you know, had slats going diagonal in my, in my um, living area. Y'all okay? And, uh, and so I, uh, Susan finally got a job, but that wasn't enough to make ends meet. So when she went to work and I went and did my stuff with all 23 grocery stores and everybody said no for the umpteenth time, I'd go home and I stood up back and forth in my living room. And I said, Father, I just want to thank you. And here's what I did. Lord, thank you so much for my job at Safeway. I am so good. You are so good. You are stinking good. You are the best. I just want you to know how much I appreciate the job that you have given me. I believe that I receive the job at Safeway. Thank you. Thank you so much. Father, I just worship you. In fact, I thank you so much. I'm going to sing you a song. And I'd sing and worship with some worship choruses, you know, we sang at church. And I just, I'm not kidding, I did that. And I did it every day. And uh, when doubt thoughts come, instead of voicing the doubt thoughts, I said what I believed. I kept saying, Lord, thank you so much. I believe I received the job at Safeway. Now that's how you walk by faith. Is it challenging? To the nth degree. Is it counterintuitive? To the nth degree. And it looked like, it looked like right to, it's, it's like it takes you to the edge of a, of, 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 of a big hill. And, and you're about to fall down the crevice. And there's nothing there. And then suddenly it works. Y'all, I've had it happen that way thousands of times. And so here in Tulsa, here I was, it had been, you know, two and a half months or so. We're dwindling her checking account down. Susan finally got a job, still not making ends meet, still having to borrow from the savings account to make ends meet. And, uh, and we were at church one night. See, and, and the whole time I'm doing that, I'm saying, Father, I thank you. Mark eleven twenty four. See, if you're believing God, say to God what he said in his word about you. And it's not only that, but there's a bunch of scripture, and I'll tell you about, you about them next time. But nonetheless, I just kept thanking God for what it looked like I didn't have because my job is to believe that I receive. God's job is for me to have it. It's his job to manifest it, not mine. It's my job to believe I got it when it looks like I don't have it. It's my job to live counterintuitively. Does that make sense? You see, and, and so I did that. And, uh, and so one Sunday night, you've heard this part of the story because I've told it several times. Uh, Kenneth Hagin's son-in-law had a church on, in North Raleigh. It was about 20 miles from our um, ha- uh, apartment. So we, we went on a Sunday night to church and finished. And, and it was uh, not quite 9 o'clock. We were on the way home. Uh, and uh, we were in, in the north part of Raleigh. We lived in the south part of Raleigh uh, near where the Bible school was. And, um, and I was at a stoplight. I still see it. Uh, Pine and Lewis, and you can go on a map, Google map, Pine and Lewis. 
And, and I stopped at the stoplight, and, um, and, and here's a Safeway. I said, well, I've been to that store. And something inside said, go in that store, you'll get a job. I said, well, what store? Where? Uh, and then my mind said, no, no grocery store manager worth his salt is ever, ever in the grocery store at 9 o'clock on Sunday night. That's what my head said. But my heart said, turn in. I did. And Susan and I had her beautiful Camaro, and I'd wheeled it right in there, went in. And I had my, I had my go-to-church clothes on, so I was dressed well. And the associate the assistant manager was there, and I said, sir, and I gave him my little paper because I kept them in the car. And uh, I said, sir, I can do you guys a great job. I can help you with this store. I'll be your best, I'll be your best worker. And he was drinking. He had, he had some snuff in one side of his mouth. And then he had a cup of coffee here, and then he had a snuff spit thing over here, and I thought he was going to mix it up. <laughs> and I kept watching. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And he, while he was doing all that, and he drinking his coffee, drinking his coffee. Finally, he said, um, he said, I'll tell you what, you come back in the morning, I believe there may be something here for you. And y'all, $30 an hour today's wages. I think it was $9.18 then. So you factor in inflation, it would be in today's wages, $30 an hour. That's not bad, right? That was a big deal. So we lived well in school. We lived well going to college. We did good. I was happy. But you know, everybody else got mad at me because I made as much as people who worked there for 33 years. I made top wage. In fact, they made me manager at night. And I made, I made as much as you can make with those positions. And you know what I said? Thank you, Lord. God is good. So let me end it by saying this. When you're walking by faith and believing you receive, when it actually manifests, it's anticlimactic. Because you've been expecting it the whole time. You get it? So I've done that with... Um, my physical body, I've did it, done it with finances, with jobs, with buying houses, selling houses, with ministry, with church stuff. I just live that way all the time. And for me, it keeps my head out of the ditch. And here's where I'm at. I know this works so much, I don't care what comes in life, I'm going to make it. As long as I can breathe. One nostril above water. I'm going to believe God. Because it works. Whatever Desire when you pray. Believe it's yours now before you see it. Live counterintuitively and eventually it'll manifest. Does that make sense? Faith is the substance, the title deed, the evidence of things hoped for. Is that good?